Hey guys, it's Jennifer, one of your friendly neighborhood co-hosts of this podcast that you're about to listen to. Just a quick note, there will be a period of terrible sound, um, kind of uh, not a little past the middle of this podcast, and I have no idea why it did that. Uh, It is on our guest's sound, but it was fine before, and I don't know what changed. It is only for a short period of time. It is difficult to listen to, but I wanted to leave it in because she is saying things that I felt I didn't want to cut out. So um, just bear with us. It will be ended soon. There is a a title if you're watching this on YouTube when that happens. So I apologize for the bad sound, but it is temporary. Okay, thank you. Um, Enjoy the episode. Bye. Hello, everyone. I am Jennifer Braverman. And I'm Ellen Selm. And welcome to our podcast, Stories from the Earth, where we explore mankind's relationship and connection with the natural world. Today, we are going to be talking to Janine Dunn, director of Red Moon Herbs in Asheville, North Carolina. As a professional herbalist and North Carolina native, Jeannie has been wildcrafting and making herbal extracts, oils, and salves for over 15 years. She studied formally at both the NC School of Natural Healing and One World Healing Arts, but her herbal roots go back much further to a back-to-basics lifestyle infused in her as a child. Jeannie picked strawberries, canned vegetables, and pulled weeds from row crops with her parents and three siblings on a multi-generational family farm in Eflin, North Carolina. Today, knowing the powerful healing properties of those quote-unquote weeds that she used to pull, Jeannie happily uses them in her fermentations, herbal extracts, and fun medicinal elixirs. Spending time in the garden and formulating new elixirs is the most fun with the business for Jeannie. In downtime, she likes to take walks with her goats uh, as they wildcraft together and hikes or beach trips with her human kids and partner, Michael. So welcome, and I apologize if I pronounced your name wrong. Oh, no worries. You can get me confused with Janine Davis from NCSU. So I, I hear all, the, all the time. And it's just. <laughs> yeah, it's close. Just transpose one. I one. mean, you're very different. So, but, but the names. The names for Janine, though. So. What? Uh, she's inspirational. So that part's that, that we can inspire each other, I hope. Yeah. One day I can yeah. her as well. We got a chance to hear her chat we went to a uh forest farming conference that was really oh, cool nice. oh yeah, yeah. for our area for 30 years plus now so it's really good but she brought a lot of attention to herbalism for those old tobacco farmers or carolina farmers who want to transfer their talents to something else so. yeah. yeah yeah especially when they talk about how like it's Western North Carolina's rocky hillsides aren't ideal for farming, but that's like, oh, but look what you can do. <laughs> yeah, very small space. Good for herbs. Yes. Well, maybe we'll have her on one day as well. That would be really cool. Um, 
Maybe we'll have both of you on together. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> ah! So tell us a little bit about yourself and describe how you got into herbalism and what sparked this interest. Sure, yeah. Um, so the in the mid to late 70s, my dad lost his job. So all four of my grandparents were tobacco farmers. But then they transitioned to produce and the you pick, we pick strawberries and other things. So I, that's where I learned the canning skills with my mom, dad, and my grandparents. But uh, my dad lost his job and it kind of is like, you get more creative when you've got time on your hands, but also you're like, well, how are we gonna get groceries? So he built a cob oven, he wow. built a, oh. an outdoor grinder and made a shed over both the cob oven and the grinder for wheat. He started raising bees. So um, we would make whole wheat bread. We would grind the wheat and then we'd make whole wheat bread as a family. We started, they started putting, you know, the catalogs you get in wintertime. They put different fruit trees in the yard. In the 70s, that, that was, I was little, like kindergarten. And then in the 80s, my mom was more of a weed eater. She started eating dandelion and violets and chickweed and different things, but mostly dandelions. And she kind of got made fun of because nobody understood that in Piedmont, North Carolina too well. But, <laughs> but she would probably be my first herbal influence. Wow. And then, yeah, from there, I think, flash forward to 16 years ago when I was about to have Sophia, my first child, and I, uh, we're a blended family. I do have a stepson now, Sam, who's also 16. And uh, I think it just hit me, you know, what, not only, I can grow produce, but what's gonna happen when one of us is sick? So that's mm -hmm. when I started really diving into herbalism more. Like I wanna prepare, I wanna use some of the things that I, Saw growing up walking in the woods, you know, bloodroot, mayapple, black cohosh, blue cohosh, these things, or these things we did pull that were in the rows, you know, mm -hmm. learning more about those. And I had already come to Western North Carolina because I felt really drawn to the mountains, like many people say they are. There's something about it, they have to be here. And so my goal was to come here to speak and learn from and, and take a walk and learn what was growing in the woods or in the meadows so was your what was your herbal education like both you know formally and, and informally it sounds like you kind of started on the journey just teaching yourself and learning from your mom whom i'm assuming is kind of self-taught and then you yeah there like more more hers was the back to basics book it's that hardbound book you know you could find out how to build a, a spring house and you know putting food by and this kind of thing my sister wendy's another big influence she puts food by and grows and then you know some of the foxfire books uh, oh yeah you know some of that early stuff uh then i guess i started collecting some of the field guides um and just kind of flipping through because it was before you know plant apps right so you know, <laughs> uh, or it's really e it's really great now because everybody can share this information and say what's this so much faster but sometimes i think we don't learn when we're just asking someone else and then when i came to Asheville uh, and, and said okay i'm about to have a baby i want to dabble in this you know of course i'm making like elderberry syrup and things like that but 
I really wanted to get more of a handle on identity and then the medicine making part. So uh, what what teachers I had were incredible because it was a variety, you know, like energy healing and then someone else would be a special, like uh, Mark Williams, Corey Pine Shane. Uh, now we've got Abby Artemisia in this area. Those that specialize more in identity, that was always so intriguing for me to try to keep adding to what I, I don't know. But yeah, just making, you know, even herbal first aid, that's where Mimi Hernandez and Melissa Fryer and Lupo Passero, who moved to the Northeast, they were really good with the hands-on collection. And then you got uh, Daisy, who's really great with energy work. So it was just a nice little eclectic mix of folks here. We're very lucky that we have so much to choose from. Good way for you to kind of get to try all all of it on and kind of figure out where your your niche might be and yeah definitely would open up it yeah it is a, it's like a dabbling you know and then oh healing wise and herbs for the childbearing year was a great influence on me when i was pregnant and so susan weed has been an influence so it's kind of neat that it came full circle and i got to get to know karina wood who studied under susan weed and then learn from her and then uh, take over Red Moon in 2012. So, uh, but I did start a little uh, herbal extracts company down East when I, when my daughter was uh, itty bitty and I lived in my grandfather's house. So I started, to, I worked at a garden center at Southern States Mebane. They had expanded their garden center and they let me choose some of the organic herbal starts from J and B and they also had a lot of fruiting trees so i was just in the spirit of my granddaddy dunn who would put new herbal i mean new fruit trees every year i was doing that with herbs and edible nice. landscaping so that was and then i started uh high rock farms or high rock it's a high rock farms is where my parents live but high rock herbs which doesn't exist but it was just basically fresh weeds in organic alcohol and it's very similar to the wise woman tradition and red moon herbs already. So it was just a little bit of a jump start, And then I realized it was not easy at all to reinvent the wheel from <laughs> scratch when nobody knows your name. Yeah. So it, I, I kudos and big hugs to everybody who does start from something from scratch without branding and marketing. Yeah. Amazing. I have a little Etsy shop, you know, where I make lip balms and salves and stuff. And, and I am currently realizing that like, I can't do it by myself. So if I wanted to take it to a higher level, I would need some, some partners. So yeah, it's a lot. It's, a, it's, it's like, it's, it's a lot to go from making medicines in your kitchen to actually doing like the business scale. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. you know, cause you've got a lot of other parts. You've got the marketing, you've got the, the, the legal stuff. You've got a lot of stuff. So tell us about Red Moon Herbs and then your, your history with it. How did you come to uh, become its director? It was a question in checking back with someone. Cause I know Karina had wanted to sell for a little while or transition out of red moon and focus more on southeast wise women 
and the herbal conference in our area. And so I would touch base with her every now and then, and it just wasn't quite the right fit. The timing wasn't right. And then we finally came to a, a point where it did work, where I could become the director, but she could still kind of assist in the transition. And I could, uh, I, I got to work a little bit at Earth Haven and see how things were run out there with Red Moon. And then um, we, we moved to the North Asheville for a little while. And then now we're out in Candler at the bottom, near the bottom of Pisgah Mountain. So Are you talking um, your production facilities and everything? Yeah, production is now moved last year to uh, okay. the Candler area. But, um, you know, it's back to, hi, I'm already doing these things. I didn't realize how closely I was to Red Moon, basically harvesting fresh things in peak season. But it's also the wise woman tradition, which I think y'all you know, talked about that before on your show. Um, you know, it's about what is in our, what is prolific? What is abundance? And so it makes so much sense to harvest weeds some people unwanted things that are extremely medicinal and they're having to fight for survival in the wild. And for me, that means heavier and higher constituents or greater medicine or, you know, it just feels right when you go into that because it's like, wow, how potent is this? It's just like you're taking it and you're as soon as you harvest with gratitude, and you're not feeling bad about the sustainability because it will just sprout back up. You're able to make medicine right away. So like even when we work with local farmers, we are getting it the same morning they pick it and we're processing it immediately. So nice. our processes are, uh, you know, in early spring, it's young herbs and shoots. And then now it's more flowering tops. And then in late fall and early winter, it will be roots. When the energy goes back down, we'll be considering the root harvest. And we leave things, even though, you know, a lot of herbalists say six weeks, we leave our roots in about three months, even if it's medicinal after a couple of weeks and you could start decanting and, and taking a little bit of the tincture, you know, we try to leave it a little extra. So just out of curiosity then, um, it sounds like Red Moon does a combination of wildcrafted sourced herbs as well as local farm sourced herbs what would you say percentages of, of one over the other do you do you get more that's cultivated or you get more that's wild we're starting just because the challenges of getting enough material we're starting to get more grown locally grown appalachian and north carolina but i'd say it's about 50 50 at this point yes and very little out of state but we have had to due to something a crop failure, too much water, mm -hmm. not enough yeah. water, we have had to get out of state. And it's challenging, you know, if any of you have ever tried to get fresh in the mail and you're dealing with <laughs> USPS, yeah. So we've had some fails there. So I really do, yeah, I'm always looking for new growers in Appalachian sustainable wild harvesters as well. With that, you know, there comes some education and I wanna talk to people and get to know them. The, we, we're, we have such abundance here. It's incredible. Do you all grow um, any yourself? I mean, given your farming background, do you grow some on your own property? Or? Yeah, my family in Ethlin does grow for us some things. Uh, naturally, not certified organic, but naturally no spray. And then um, we 
we support a few local farms that really, um, and they support us. We so you know, our friendly allies is one gentle harmony farm in Lexington. Um, we have a few others that are up and coming, uh, mountain herbal and hot springs, but there's a few that are really taking off real. And, and I love to see farmers, herbal farmers that are scaling up. We are starting to grow some stuff at the church at my own personal home here. We are also growing some things, but, uh, it's more like start. We'll be able to take five pounds or 10 pounds off of a couple of things this summer, but it'd be the first time we're actually able to, uh, where we didn't have to put it on someone else's land. We also have arrangements with other farmers who say, I don't want to pick this, but you can come get it. And then we'll, we'll exchange herbal products or a little cash for the appreciation of letting us pick and harvest. That's awesome. It's usually wild, wild, you know, wild weeds on a farm. Well, if you ever need any mugwort, <laughs> just okay. let me know. Tries to take over my property. <laughs> took over Ellen's garden uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, there was a little bit, and I was like, oh, the ladybugs like it. I'm going to leave this little bit here for the ladybugs. And then it was like, oh, you've welcomed me into your garden. I will grow everywhere. Everywhere. After, was- I'm trying to get different patches established on more of the perimeter of the property so that I don't have to feel bad about knocking the stuff back in the garden every year. But I, I, I had a bumper crop of, uh, of mugwort to make smudge sticks from. It's definitely one of my favorite, favorite plants. I mean, Ellen wants to grow stuff. So <laughs> other stuff besides mugwort. Like food, a little food garden too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know. I'm starting to try to get some medicinals established here and there in the in the vein of forest farming. So we'll, I'll grow it over time, you know, even if I'm doing it into my, even if it takes me into my old age, you know, to get a fully established forest farm, you know, that's the end, that's the end goal. So what would you say inspires your herbalism or inspires you about herbalism? Like to the point that, you know, that became such a identity for your life, you know, obviously there's a lot of inspiration there. And that's more than one thing. One is the plant, the generosity of the plants is first, like, even though I love humans so much, you know, and I want to see everybody thrive and do well as, a, as humankind. I just can't believe how, like, sometimes we take a little and they just keep giving. So that that is an inspiration. I look to them. They bring me calmness too. When I'm had a really bad day, just to go sit with that's that the walk with the goats and the <laughs> you know let, forging with them. Just being able to like sit by a creek and um, meditate with the plants is really a, a big thing. And then just. Um, uh, my my kids are an inspiration because it gives me hope for the future when I see that they're listening, even if they're like, nah, that's not my thing. That's your thing. I hear them say things to their friends and it gives <laughs> me hope that, yes, they do know how to make these things. They're, that Sam's helping some, Sophia helps some, uh, and their friends have even helped a little with wild crafting and harvest and uh, preparation and and that's inspiring and then that they care about others they want to see this medicine get to those the marginalized communities so like Mm -hmm. sometimes i'm like are we just in a bubble or is this i hope this is a global 
disease of caring. <laughs> like it just, it's as viral as some viral things, you know, that it catches on and people care about people regardless of what they look like or who they love. And that makes, mm -hmm. that inspires me. And so I want to get, as I learn more about every part of that and the struggles of someone being, um, 25 years old right now, you know, that we get this medicine that's easy to make into the hands of the people and the education. So that's an inspiration for me constantly too. like, it's don't be afraid to make your own medicine. Like so many people are like, Oh, it's too complicated. These ratios and these, which percentage of alcohol and Oh, can I add glycerin? Can I add vinegar? You know, Oh, yeah. do I boil it? Decocts or, you know, do I dry it first? Yeah. You know, there's, there's so many different ways you can make it. Also when I occasionally get feedback, if I've had a really hard day, but then someone says this one plant helped my eczema, uh, plantain oil or comfrey oil, or I had such, anxiety about this past year and skullcap got me through or mother war you know when you hear that 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 connection they made with one plant and then they may want to grow it or they may want to sit with it at somebody else's garden you know that that's the thing that challenged me the most at the beginning i was frustrated i would see these dried herbs and i didn't know what they were like you yeah you can make medicine with that that's fine it's good medicine but to be able to know that plant from seed to to when it flowers and seeds again, that whole cycle, that is when I really connected. Mm. Seeing it the all four seasons or at least three. Yeah. Also seeing it fresh. Like, thank you, yeah. Rena Wood and Jessica Dino and Susan Wee before them. Thank you, Red Moon, for showing people what it looks like fresh. And I do want to do that more with, you know, local events. When I first started um, exploring herbalism myself, I took a one day medicine making course with Karina at Earth Haven. And, and we did, you know, I remember, I mean, like, I just remember it so clearly, like we went on a plant walk and then we did like, uh, salve and I think we did like a tincture and I think we did I don't know but I know I went home and we made a we made a plantain oil we started making a plantain oil and I finished that plantain oil and I just you know and then I went from there but that was my start that one one day class and I I learned so much from it so it's it's not hard there's a good crossover point where once you get to have the tactile experience, you know, hands-on, smell it, taste it, feel it, see it alive with your own eyes, that's kind of like the threshold, I think, you know, where you're going to cross over and decide, you know, are you going to get pulled down that rabbit hole and, and keep exploring and find all the hidden treasures or, or not, you know. But but it, it is interesting, you know, how many people get um, uh, a little nervous about, you know, oh, will I do it right or not? When you think about, like, our ancestors, it was like, pick it, try it, did it do what you needed it to do? You know, like humans are just notorious for overcomplicating things sometimes. And yes, there's like right ways to do things and ideal ways to do things, but just getting started, you know, that's, that's half the battle right there, you know, just getting mm -hmm. started and then it'll open up from there.
And I, I think that's what that class did. And I think that's why her offering that class was so important because it was just sort of like, get your, get your feet wet, break, you know, if you're scared, here's a, a good introduction so that you, you don't have to be nervous about it anymore. And, and she was doing the, the wise room tradition. I didn't even know there was another tradition. I didn't even know there was like the weight to volume with all the measurements and everything else, you know? So like, it's just like, I was just, I'm very fortunate that I was able to take that class and got, got things started for you. Yes. Nini, we actually took a class with you a few years ago. You did a class with the OGS at one of their conferences regarding trying to encourage more people in the region to be growing uh, medicinals. I had already had that idea in mind for my property, but that class was very helpful and I took prolific notes. So it'll be something to be implemented more as, as the years go on for sure. And it, it was really, it was really awesome. It was nice to have somebody local telling all of us other locals, you need to get out there and grow this stuff. It's like, oh, people do want it. Okay. <laughs> That's good to know. With the sheer number of, well, as popular as Asheville is, but the whole Southeast is popular, but all the Appalachians, with as many people who want to get somewhere cooler with four seasons, four distinct seasons, and as they leave, exit California or wherever else, uh, we definitely, with infrastructure and development, our small yards need to become the next generation's sanctuaries for sure for that reason. So thank you for at least starting your Woodland Medicinals now. It's a, and, and, and it's a practice in patience, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. Because yeah. I, I put in a, just a couple of cohosh plants, a couple of golden seal plants, and some valerian a few years ago. And, and it's just been in the last couple of years that it's like, oh, there's, there's now finally more golden seal than just what I planted. And the black co-wash has gotten really tall and the valerian's just trying to take over half the yard, which is cool. It can do that. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, now, yeah, the whole uh, perennial, what is it? First they crawl, then they creep, then they leap is like a saying. And it's like, oh, I can definitely see how that happens like year in, year out. It's growing, which is awesome. And the valerian is from a, we, we went to the herb uh, festival herb fair and we bought a bunch of plants and then ellen planted on this hill and basically it's like well what plants are still here and mm -hmm. the valerian was extremely successful so which was which was fun uh, especially since i think hopefully this winter maybe we'll make some tincture out of it that there's definitely cool. enough to start digging some roots so, now i think yeah <clears throat> That's a popular one. We don't offer that one, and we get a lot of requests. So let me know when you have your extract, because uh, people in Nashville that really want that one. So. Oh, okay. Do you, yeah. Do you, do you want like the, the tincture, or do you get the just the roots? Or um, I there's a couple of people that have asked for fresh roots too. So if you decide your are just too prolific and you want it, that's definitely one. I think. That some nice. people love you sharing or selling to them, you know. Uh, I love the swaps in this area. That's a part of uh, Asheville that I just wholeheartedly embrace, and I'm glad we're in this community where there's seed swaps and plant swaps, and yeah, you know, you can uh, find what you're looking for. Uh, of course, the Asheville Herb Fest is fabulous, and I'm on the board, and 
big shout out to A.D. Reed, who was the director and the others on the board who volunteered their time. And yeah, it was it was tough to move that venue this year, but we did it. We've kind of outgrown the farmer's market, even though a lot of people wow. love it. That's amazing because that place is already pretty big. So, geez. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was slammed. It was a little a little awkward on Saturday. It was a little too crowded, but um, you know it it was successful overall. But the farmers market is a beautiful place, and I do hope there'll be continue to be some beautiful herb fest there too. We'll see what happens in twenty twenty two. Hopefully, I'll get. Hopefully we'll get there this uh, yeah 2022. I wasn't able to get there this this year, so. But, uh. And we offered more workshops this year, free workshops. Oh. So, yeah, this is something to look forward to. When people are looking for somewhere to go, there's a lot of you know plant walks in our area too that are reasonable. We had quite a few teachers. Um, so on sliding scale or you know keeping the costs low, but. Um, Hopefully, um, Red Moon can sponsor some of those events in the future as well, more and more. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. And we'll put a link to the Asheville Herb Festival in the show oh, notes and in yeah. the description as well. So if anyone wants to check it out and you're in the area or close to the area, it's totally amazing. You can like find, actually, I've also done some videos on, on our trip to the Herb festival so i'll put those down there too and i just realized that i never changed if you're watching on youtube and you see the little you're not going to see the little symbol for the stories for the earth you'll see my little pink tree that's from my other youtube channel so i apologize i forgot to change the graphics um but <clears throat> so yeah i documented that journey when we bought all those plants for for ellen's land and the valerian and so I'll, I'll, um, I'll put that down so everyone can see sort of the amazingness of, you know, because when you go to a, like a, a nursery or a plant store, you, you do see some medicinal herbs, but you don't see the range of medicinal herbs that you see at the herb fest, which is yeah. really, really cool. It is an educational experience just to walk around and talk to the farmers. And yeah. uh, forest, there's, now there's more forest farmed herbs too which is fabulous and a lot of products i mean you can pick come by and say hi to me and other like Lori collins jenkins is there was there this year and other makers there's it's a good networking experience even if you're not there to buy plants there's a lot of makers awesome i was going to ask ellen now that you've settled in and you've got some land and have you seen like a wild herb show up that wasn't there when you first moved in is there anything? Uh, that's what I I love to see that happen. Um, like last year, in a time where lung support was, you know, important, mm -hmm. lobelia and flauda all around my house and in the woods behind it. And other herbalists told me the same thing. They've never seen as much wow. lobelia and flauda. And that is a low dose botanical that, you know, is an huh. emetic in larger quantities. But, um, you know, helps with smoking cessation and asthmatic issues, you know, and lung support. And that one showed up. So same thing with some weeds, like dandy sometimes shows up in the, the house of the person who 
needs some liver support. He's hitting the tequila. <laughs> right? Well, I, I didn't um, initially notice any chickweed on my property. And then a couple years in, I got a little bit of chickweed. And then this year, I just had a whole bunch of chickweed in a different place than where it originally was, too. So it's not even like the one patch spread. It's like, okay, I'm going to come up closer to you somehow. Um, and uh, I didn't have ramps on the property initially, but my neighbor does, like further back on the back side of my property. And then um, year before last, I just happened to notice in my little wooded area where it's not the typical forested area that they t tend to like, because it's a more north slope, piney woods. Um, but there were a couple of ramps in there. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe if I just let them be, they'll do their thing. And but I've gotten, since then, I've gotten a few um, cut root heads from a friend who has a bunch on her property in order to try to start some on another area of my property where it might be more conducive for ramps just in case those, the volunteer don't make it. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely been fun just to kind of wander around and see what there is to see and learn the uses of what is here. Um, I had Craig Monty, the extension agent, come out the year that I bought my property and walk around with me. And um, he pointed out the blood root because I, I, that was a plant. I, I grew up in Western North Carolina, but that was not a plant that I was really familiar with because even in terms of medicine, you know, because it's such a potent herb and you have to kind of uh, have very specific and careful uses with it. It's not one that's super commercially popular. I just wasn't familiar with it. And he was like, oh, look, you got some blood root there. And he kind of gave me my initial uh, lesson in that. And since then, I've seen it just start to spread and take over. It likes those piney woods. So, yeah, it's it's been nice. It's all, it, it keeps trying to turn into a jungle. So it's, you know, you're ever fighting that battle of like the balance of I want the things that are there to be there, but some things have to be kept under control or they're going to smother it out, you know. Like multi-floor rows and privet. Bittersweet. And yeah. I'd like to think that since I, uh, I don't have any land, I live in town and and I use Ellen's land to wildcraft on. I like to think that she has plants pop up because I need them. I was like, I need chickweed, and that's why she has the chickweed. Well, yeah, and then the violets spread. <laughs> the violets. Like you needed the violet oil, and now I have like way more violets. <laughs> yeah. Say it out loud, and the universe provides, right? Yep. Definitely, the plants are definitely listening. Phenomenal how that happens. Even if, maybe even if we didn't say it out loud too. Sometimes we're just thinking it. Uh, yeah, our violets by not cutting the grass for a while, the violets kind of spread, and then we just cut around them. Now they're just one big circle of violets. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, I was using my parents' violets, and they had this row of fourth scythia plants and bushes, and and the violets grew under them. So they were like a whole bunch, and they were all protected. So they would just get really, really big, and then when they got like really big, I would just like. Stuff, you know make oil from it all once and then my dad would go and weed eat under it but it was like the perfect place for violets and it made it so easy to make that oil because they can be real small but I was able to have wait until they were so big and it was shady 
under there and everything. So it was real cool. While crafting in one quarter of the time, right? When they get the size of your yeah. hand. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> and then the, I was like, especially also like the plantains when they're like on the side of the road and they're like humongous and you're like, man, I can't outcraft them from this side of the road, but they're as big as my hand. <laughs> I guess they're just trying to make seeds, right? They're in, in, in tough places. They're just going to proliferate like elder beside the road like on a busy road you're like why is all this hell why can't you find this elder on a country road right so if anyone doesn't know we're, we're talking about um that you shouldn't wild craft right by the road be, uh, as a as a rule because it just sort of the plants will suck up all that road junk so you want to try to at least i think it's i think it's like at least 50 feet from a road preferably on land you know the history of so in a, in a perfect world <laughs> what is your definition of health and healing can i say that sometimes i don't always follow <laughs> yeah definitely okay ideally it would be a lot of self-care and that's part of the wise woman tradition too that we we do sometimes it's doing nothing but it's and literally doing nothing just sitting there and breathing through and and resting our minds that's part of our healing one of my missions since my daughter sophia was little and sam came into my life michael came into my life nine years ago was to try to eat as much local as we possibly could like even local super seeds organic i don't want high mileage fruit as much as i can Finding local carrots, you know, that's just heaven right there compared to the mass manufactured monocrop of organic mm -hmm. carrots. You know, I know you, t if you've tasted a local carrot, you know the difference. So eating more food is medicine. Although I was, you know, living without regrets, I didn't meet Frank Cook other than listening to him online, but I do try to eat something wild every day because mm -hmm. rest in peace, Frank Cook. But I think that's part of good health and nutrition. If you can have access, trying to find that friend that has the land, right? Like Alan has the land and getting some of that. And it could be that you just make a vinegar, a chickweed vinegar or violet vinegar. And so you're sprinkling a little bit of that wildness every day on something that you eat, a salad or greens. So that's something I've committed to, uh, but more, you know, fresh, clean water, getting to know just a few herbs that become your allies, nourishing herbal infusions that Susan Weed makes super popular and Karina Wood follows that and many wise woman tradition folks do that as well. Uh, drinking a lot of herb, if you don't know what an infusion is, it's like double this, a quart size. You've got one weighed ounce of herb, which comes to about that on a quart jar pour boiling water over it, let it sit four to eight hours and strain that and drink on that for a day. And that's that nourishment to me is important for our health. Now, I don't do it as often as I should on that, but it's something that does make me feel great when I do it. For a super strong tea, basically. Yes, yeah, a very strong tea. And you know, you if you don't like the taste of nettle because it's earthy or too green of a drink, you can always add a little honey or sweetener it's nice as a chai you could even add spices and, a, and your favorite nut beverage or milk ice it in the summer it, it's really refreshing in the summer ice 
uh, red clover. This is from General Harmony Farm. Isn't that pretty? Mm. brought to us. Aww. Yeah, red clover is another great nourishing infusion. Milky oats is another one. Or mm -hmm. oat raw. And here's their milky oats. I had a few left that I dehydrated. But you want to break those up before you pour boiling water over them. Okay. All of these are really part of the best regimen for me. And a little downtime away from everybody's grain. I appreciate that thought of uh, incorporating some, some little bit of wild every day, even if it's just as easy as uh, putting up a vinegar and just doing a little bit of that every day. Like that's, it's just like, so, you know, I have a tendency and I think a lot of people have a tendency to be like, you're, if you're going to be into this thing, you just got to do it to the max. And it's like, so consequently, no. you have that kind of time. You're like, well, I'll get to it later. So that was just a very grounding moment to hear you be like, you know, just a little bit. I'm like, oh, that, that would be very easy and doable. <laughs> yeah, and this is what, June. So red clover blossoms in vinegar, one part weighed out. I mean, you could do it folk, like you learned, you know, like we all learned. The wise, you know, just stuff the red clover blossoms with the top three leaves in a jar and pour vinegar over it, or one weighed ounce to four parts organic raw apple cider vinegar. There's also violet still out there. Uh, what else is out there right now? There's a lot of great things that would go in vinegar that aren't. Now, motherwort, for instance, as it starts to flower, it gets very bitter. So it could mm -hmm. become more of a digestive bitter if you're going to pick it later. Young motherwort, mugwort's a great one, too. To help with the dreams yeah. and the mineral intake. There you go. Let's all go to Ellen's house. <laughs> Make some mugwort vinegar. Put up a couple of gallons of it. <laughs> Down with an herb tray. That's the other thing. we got to look to our resources in our community. You make the one thing. I'll bring something different. Jennifer will bring something different. We'll invite some pals, and then we'll have a whole apothecary. Right? Ooh, that's, that's a good idea. I know there's an herb swap that's happening that's new. I think um, Syrah Foley yes. started oh, that. I, yes, I did get some plants and leave some plants. That was really nice. So if, huh. that, if that evolves into herbal extracts and vinegars and oils and sap swap that would be wonderful uh root calls out in fairview we uh have done a couple of little free classes there and come get affordable tinctures and just bring your own bottle or buy a bottle and there was a suggested donation of like two bucks and 50 cents for a bottle if you didn't have it so you know we wanted to make it accessible and yeah. then then the donations went to a couple of causes, one being root cause, which also known as the Lord's Acre before, um, I say that. Uh, yeah. So little, little gardens around town, that's a great place for a plant swap or short class. We did an herbal vinegars class. It's the easiest because you can just wildcraft things and do it right then. Chop it up and take it home, let it sit two to six weeks and then use it. I just can't help it. Like I'm at work and I work in nothing to do with herbalism. And so like, I just can't help end up talking about it with my coworkers. I taught one of them how to make a herbal infusion. I, she was, she's real stressed out and everything. So I like to do Tulsi. And so I brought it into her and I was like, here you go. You put two handfuls in, you put boiling water on, you gotta let it sit overnight. And 
and then she she tried and she's like it was really good i thought it'd be weird you know and i'm like i wouldn't do that to you the first time <laughs> you know so she's like it's really tasty it was really good it's just really i was like yeah you'll just after you do it a couple of times it'll be really easy you won't even think about like this whole process also nettle tea with honey in it the first time i did that it was it like took it from it took it to another level so i would definitely suggest adding some honey to your nettle tea now Jeannie, just uh as a little side note to talking about nettle in in your profession i'd be curious to hear what you know about it i have heard that nettle at its most like mature point like when it's getting ready to flower or has flowered um, at that point, it's not safe for people with kidney issues, but then sometimes you see nettle in kidney formulas, but it's my understanding that they're harvesting it when it's like still just a baby coming up in the springtime. And if you miss that window, you gotta wait just, just for kidney people, anybody else, maybe you might um, use it when it's a little more mature. So, you know, some people will keep cutting it and to keep it from flowering and seeding uh -huh. it, and then that's how they harvest we prefer that it's all the spring stuff, the young first cut. I do think some of the larger commercial companies are, are having to do multiple cuts. So, but they're still keeping it from flowering out all the way. But my honey's from the Czech Republic and his, he comes from a culture of fruits and herbs and his mom wildcraft St. John's flowers and makes an oil. So I saw nettles in their garden. It was late summer. And it not it had not flowered too much, but some of it had. And I decided I'd make a soup, I'd make a fresh infusion uh, tea, and then we decided, okay, let's go to downtown Prague. And I think I stopped in about ten restrooms. So it did really <laughs> take my bladder by drinking it beyond its young spring version. Yeah. So I do think it sweet. might irritate bladder or kidneys even if somebody has is well you know without kidney issues so yeah once it goes but nettle seed is very potent medicine for reproductive organs and our stamina and strength so maybe just consider harvesting those seed tops and drying them and using them in a different like sprinkling on food or making a tea out of the nettle seed or a tincture I used to be able to drink the nettle um, infusion, and um, I can't now. Some health issues, and and it, it makes me pee instantly. Like I just okay. have to pee, and I've never tried the seed. And there's a reason why I wanted to do the nettle because it's got so much of that, you know, the minerals and the, you know, it's so nutritious. So good. Yeah, so nutritious. So maybe just you know, the vinegar is really good for the pulling the minerals out we did a study right before i became director of redmond it's actually a, I, I i'd like to do another uh to see about concentrations of calcium and magnesium and zinc and different things that that the ace the apple cider vinegar acv pulled out so you could just do maybe nettles in vinegar fresh nettles one part to four parts vinegar and use that on your food without that bladder issue yeah, I hear that from a lot of folks. They'll drink oh. nettle too late in the day and then they have to urinate all night. So it may be just one cup in the morning, uh, but if your job doesn't allow, 
a lot of frequent breaks, you know, yeah, nettles is definitely one that will <laughs> increase urination. Uh, nettle root is in a salt palmetto and a prostate blend, but nettle root could be another good one for, um, uh, you know, reproductive health and energy. Uh, but the the nettle in the vinegar, when we did that, the calcium was, was it 10 times as much? And then the magnesium was nine times. Now, vinegar doesn't have a lot of calcium and magnesium occurring naturally in it, but it just bumped it up. And there was some zinc and other trace minerals. So that was exciting to see that. So, you know, what, what without a bunch of expensive testing, why not throw some of the, like the chickweed and the mugwort and the nettles in your vinegar and you're probably gonna be getting things that you, vitamins and minerals you didn't know, minerals mostly, you know. So Jeannie, what do you feel like is the role of herbalism? In some ways it's getting trendier, you know, there's, there's people that would walk into a health food store today that wouldn't have done it 10, 15 years ago. And in some ways it's, helped the industry and in some ways it might have hurt some things you know ecologically if people aren't being careful and over harvesting etc but but it's definitely is something that's been with mankind it's it's not going to go away what is herbalism's role in our in our modern world and maybe the future of it that you'd like to see those that have worked so hard to get here in the last let's say 50 years you know they've been doing this and not being understood now they don't have to explain themselves right it becomes more common that's good i do i am concerned about the over harvest of uh, certain things like people will jump on the bandwagon of like moringa kava okratum you know and then okay then you've got the fda coming down to investigate these uh opiate like you know products or things that are pain relievers or uh stimulants like ephedra you know it got uh, taken off the market um but i i was my heart warmed a lot last year with everybody growing being asking more questions being more attentive maybe they just have more time on their hands maybe they thought about their health you know you're in the middle of a health crisis uh, but it felt like people were wondering, what's the future of my kids going to look like? Oh, let me do some container gardening on my patio, you know? So I hope, I look for the day when we do care about the forest more than the trees mm -hmm. and the pulp, the paper pulp and the furniture harvest. You know, that like, look what's underneath that tree, please, for a minute. So that's something I'm super passionate about. I do support United Plant Savers. I hope more people will follow. Even if you're not a member or supporter, follow what's on the Atlas list is changing. Uh, follow, you know, what is the watch. That's the other list, you know, think about yeah. growing it because um, like, some of these things have great substitutes for weed. Like yeah. golden seal. Golden seal should probably be back, um, not just at risk, but endangered. Um, and there's not, I've never seen it in the wild. I've seen ginseng in the wild. I've seen gentian in the wild. Uh, 
I've never seen Golden Seal in North Carolina in the wild unless someone wild simulated it or forest farmed it. Mm. So um, maybe I'm not getting out enough. Maybe I just need to get out more. But you know, like we've got the, the Japanese barberry that's in the woods. That has berberine. I know Golden Seal has other constituents that make it perfect. But we could be harvesting yellow root, which is prolific by the creeks. You could still like just do a partial harvest and put put it back. You know, you don't have to use it all. Uh, barberry, uh, Mahonia, these things that make nice substitutes. You know, let's look into those. But what is what is herbalism? It's going to be affordable health care for everybody. And you know, I know that's a lot of <laughs> the health industry, but that and it's going to get integrated more. I know we keep saying we wish that would happen, but it is. There's going to be more pop-up shops with uh, first aid and, you know, herbal medics. But then it's going to, I do think you see more. I've seen in hospice, I've seen nurses practice feel mm. touch and Reiki as someone is exiting this world. I've seen more. I, you know, overheard someone say they were looking for Tamiflu at the CVS. And they said, just go get you some elderberry extract. And that was the pharmacist. And wow. I was yes, we have arrived. So <laughs> that's, what, that's what the future is going to be. Integrate my, my niece, one of my nieces is uh, studying to be a PA. I would say that, you know, she's going to integrate herbs and other techniques and body work and energy healing and her generation. And she's a millennial will be the ones that will bring it to the you know where and you've got doctors saying hey i did i didn't i this is not in my wheelhouse but tell me more about it and they're open to listening to people i'm sure they're hearing the same things you know like people yeah. are like, well i gotta use the cbd this works right i hear everybody's using it but at least they're open to saying if that's going to help you and it there's no herb drug interaction yes you can use it yeah that's what I think herbalists are going to have to um, maybe even work in doctor's offices one day. And the day that we become part of the system will be a very celebratory day, right? When uh, it's an insurance write-off. I, I would, I would, I would love that. And I would have, love to be able to study herbalism at a university and then go work in a doctor's office and yeah. practice. That's what I think that back, you know, when I discovered this thing called herbalism, I'm like, yes, I'm interested in it. I, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be a part of. If there was such a tract, if there was such an opportunity, um, then that's what I would that's what I would go into, and 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 there's there's a need. We I think that I think that the the need is just going to be so great that and the, that it's just going to kind of nudge the system in that direction. That's what that's what I think you're saying, and that's also what I hope. Happens. And if enough of us speak out and say this is what we're doing, right? This is what we're and it's it's not that we're saying no science, we're right? Yes, appreciate science. Uh, we appreciate surgery when it's necessary. We're just saying this is could be helpful. 
and yes. after surgery or before surgery to prepare your immune system. You can do these things, right? I actually just wrote a, an article um, when I advertised my business uh, locally here in Haywood County. Um, I sometimes write little articles for this local paper called Positively Haywood that just goes out to mailboxes in this county. And the one that I just wrote for the upcoming month is kind of focusing on helping people make that realization that uh, what we sometimes consider like alternative medicine really isn't so far off the mark because there's at least 40% of our pharmaceutical registered trademark drugs are still plant derived or, you know, then on top of that, you've got fungal derived, bacterial derived. And, and so we're even, even modern medicine isn't as far removed from the natural world as some people sometimes delineate in their mind. And I was just trying to write this little short piece to get people to think about, because the more we can be thinking complementary from both sides of the fence, you know, the, the easier it's going to be for it to hopefully meet in the middle and everybody kind of help each other out instead of trying to butt heads all the time. You know? And we're not saying pharmaceuticals have to go away. Oh no. Right. Compliment. So. There's a, there's a place for like, there's a place for herbal medicine. There's a place for these medicines. There's a place for acupuncture and massage and all of these, these things. And they're not congruous. They're not, they they fit together there's they can work with each other and it's a puzzle piece that's just missing from our healthcare system i i, I as a patient over the years have had to bring that in you know i've had to mm -hmm. i have to do my own herbal part and then go to the doctor and do and marry them together by myself and sort of you know and um it takes a lot of effort when you're not feeling well doesn't it it does if you don't have an advocate saying, oh, did you remember to drink this infusion or add these supplements to your regimen? Sometimes I forget. Or you're trying to get someone your, else. Yeah. Or you're trying to get your doctor to sort of um, not think you're so strange or weird and <laughs> listen to you. Um, I have been fortunate in, in my doctors, but, you know, there's been a few that have... Uh, yeah it's been it hasn't been the best outcome <laughs> it's a process over they're just not getting it right no no and it doesn't it doesn't mean we don't respect what they do it's just a little respect the other way would be nice you know, that we didn't have as many years of school uh, just 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 hear me out kind of thing right yeah I don't know, though, you know, sometimes I'd say a lot of herbalists I've met, I mean, yourself included, have so many years of study. It's just, you know, it's it's different, you know, you didn't, you didn't necessarily maybe break the bank or get a fancy certificate on the wall, but the time investment, you know, the brain power is there. So seeing that part of it legitimized more, I think, would be really beneficial. Jeannie, so what are some ways that you like to connect with the natural world and, and stay grounded in these crazy times, especially that we've been going through this last year, but, you know, even in general, you know, the self-care piece you were talking about. 
I think when I get to like, I definitely, because I'm a doer, you know, I'm very hands-on and my mind is full of a lot of ideas. I'm going to, I vocalize them as well. And I know I can frustrate people because I'm just thinking out loud and like, oh, what do you think of this idea? And this, wouldn't this be good if we threw it? And sometimes I can make those things happen just in a matter of days. Like, let's throw together a plant swap or let's do another herb fest, you know, on the side. And it, and it, and it just tends to flow. But um, my mind is not very restful sometimes. So to get my hands in the dirt literally will calm me down and my mind can just kind of go blank for a bit uh the petting the goats i love cats and goats that helps put uh taking my shoes off and touching the bare ground with my feet that's also helpful and getting getting uh body work uh energy energy work i have a cousin that's in the Burnsville area, who's fabulous. And um, I think like Sarah Tom, is it Sarah Thomas? Yeah, that, that the folks that have studied under Sarah Thomas, a lot of times they have a similar practice and that mm. work can be very healing and being able to plant something and just see it through the seasons. Once again, that is just, that is just a big, that, that warms my heart. And then to be able to share it with people that keeps me going on my path kind of keeps you in touch both with the earth and the community it's definitely definitely a time to say no uh that is a challenge that has been a challenge for me because i want to be so involved and there's so many fun things to do and so many events you can attend so being able to just say no for my own health and getting grounded again taking an afternoon off taking a walk Put my feet in a creek too. Yeah. Water, earth, and air together. Like last year, I did feel like it was getting a little out of hand because we couldn't keep up. And then, so it was like shockingly good, but totally out of left field that we didn't know that because we harvest in, um, you know, peak seasons and only plan, we have to plan once a year for something that's going to get picked in spring, right? So we kind of guesstimate what we might be able. So we just had to be out of some things. Yeah. And that's okay too, but I really did want to get it to the people and I was like it warmed me so much that they were believed in herbalism before anyone knew really what was going on last year. Mm -hmm. They were like looking to things like Ella campaign and violet and you know wild cherry bark. So, and asking questions and seeing what they might want to grow. Um, another thing that bring that probably grounds me and brings, it's like the Easter egg hunt of morels or seeing <laughs> in the wild and not touching it, but just photographing it. And uh, those kind of things can take me, you know, give me a little ecstasy and happiness. And so carving out a little time to go do that, whatever it is, whatever season it is, like, um, if I see OSHA in the wild, Eastern OSHA, Legusticum canadensis, I haven't seen much of that. So I, we did see that this past year, and that made me really happy to see that in spring. It's like Mother Nature's scavenger hunt. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. 
So before we started recording, we were chatting about books. And I was just wondering if you would tell us what are your some favorite herbal books that you would like to share? Um, or maybe a off-topic book of yours that you're currently reading or want to read that is maybe not about herbalism. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Like, but the things that are fictional, they can be fun too. Um, oh, it's been a while since I've read this series, but the Ayla or Isla, Clan of the Cave Bear, you know, that writer. Mm -hmm. I love that book. My dad did me a sweet favor and I've misplaced the paper. He took and wrote down every herb that was mentioned in that book. Really? And, uh, yeah, because she's an herbalist from caveman times, you know, as she evolves. And there's several species of human on the planet at that time who evolved in different stages. But I, as fiction, is it Diane Gabaldon or something? I can't remember how to pronounce her name, but that that series, if you want to get lost, is kind of like historical romance is the, the category, but it's kind of neat to see what she did and uh, mentioning all those herbs in the first book. It's the most brutal of the four or five, six books, but yeah. Uh, so that one was like, before I ever became an herbalist, I saw that and I'm like, somebody's talking about this. So I, and I love movies like that, that actually, even though I've seen some, they walk through a meadow or forest and they play something that's not the real herb. And you're like, that is not whatever, you know? Uh, but um, it, it's cool when you do see witchy, witchy people, kitchen witches or witches in, in movies. Um, my favorite absolute book is Making Plant Medicine because I'm such a doer and maker. So Richo Check's book. Um, and then let's see, an inspiration for me, Robin Rose Bennett just moves me with her writings, uh, but more in person. She is just, she calls to my heart when she speaks because it's not just on this planetary level. There's something about it she just... Uh -huh feels the energy in the room and can just take a crowd, at least for me. It's moved me to tears and laughter. And she can just be talking about nettles or plantain, but you know. So Gift of Healing Herbs is one of her books. And then there's a uh, magic book as well. Magical Herbalism? No, I can't remember. Uh, and then uh, one book that was still herbal related, but more the uh, Rosita Arvigo, Sastoon, where she studied with Don Eligio Ponte in uh, Belize, was it? Then created space there. Mm -hmm. She had to really work hard to get that apprenticeship. He was not going to accept her because she wasn't a local. So that's a really riveting book. Um, and Healing Wise, I think I mentioned that already. That was one of the first books I read. Uh, D Dr. James Duke, it's, it's more generic, but Green Pharmacy yep. is really right. good. He, he studied so much and you know brought so much inspiration to so many other herbalists that Rosemary Gladstar's books are great. Um, 
I like recipes and that's that's it's always fun because you can make something with one of her books. I'll put the links so when everybody watches this bag or listens to it, all the information for all the books will be in the description. Okay. So so everyone can check out all those books <laughs> that you mentioned. And I have I have a few of them. I don't have all of them, but they're um they're definitely making plant medicine has been on my list for a very long time. Richo also does um a cultivating medicinal the medicinal herb grower or something like that. So if you lean more towards and you don't want to make medicine but you want to grow it, he's got a book for that too. Oh, cool. Really helpful. Okay. So on that note, um, with your experience, what advice would you give to a budding herbalist and or medicinal plant farmer? Like say they're at where you were 15 years ago. Apprentice with someone that's local in your community that you would either grow and you help them in, or farm in turn uh, or medicine make together. Um, I definitely go on YouTube and people locally even here in our community. Juliet has a couple of free little intros to her program and just you know and do it re regionally try to find someone within your region because like what grows in the desert's not here and if you want to connect with those plants try to find someone you can uh, work under definitely like mr k's used bookstore i got a lot of great stuff there i forgot i got a lot of great stuff from the library don't forget the online resources with the library where you can uh check out books that are digital yeah, just don't be afraid to um, ask questions in, in, in plant groups and herbalist medicine maker groups, right? There's such good resources now. You can ask and without fear and without being made fun of or anything. People aren't going to judge you. I mean, there will be some judgment, but ignore that, you know? <laughs> right? People do judge, but they don't. I think their intentions are good overall. They're just, you know, there's, you know, like something like poke. Poke is very powerful. Right. It should be handled with care. It will make your eyes puff up. If you don't have gloves on, your hands will break out if you're working with a root. So, you know, like there are some, and, and making sure you properly identify something, you know, with a mushroom and the few poisonous plants we have in our area. But uh, if you get, you know, under the wing of someone and you, you're willing and able to do the dirty work, you know, they're very grateful to have you. There's a lot of herbalists I know that feel a little overwhelmed or gardeners, you know, they could always use an extra set of hands. So they'll help. Uh, the local gardens, the, the root cause appreciates volunteers. I think there's other gardens around town. Ask around and see. We started, my daughter and I were helping at the school garden, you know, you can be a volunteer at a school as well. You could always use more edible landscaping, right? Uh, but the books, the books, free. They're free at the library too, you know? And they also have our, our library has the library, perpetual library book sale. And they're, you know, you can go in there and they're like, you know, maybe a dollar or less, which is really cool. So also you can find things in there. 
to buy if you wanted to. Well, maybe it's time for a book swap too, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Book swap. <laughs> you can't give them up, can you, Jenna? No, I guess. <laughs> so I'm like, that's going to be hard. I, my copy of my Rosemary Gladstone's, um, oh my gosh, it's her herbal book for women, and I'm forgetting the name of it. But it's falling apart because I've used it so much. So I bought a new copy. And then my friend at work, the person who I taught how to make the tea, I, she was having some, some issues. And I was like, well, here, here's this book. And I was like, I'll loan it to you. But, you know, I was like, you never get the books back. So basically, I wanted to give it to her anyway. That's great. Yeah, that's so, a good, good concept too. Just like, if this doesn't come back to me, it's okay. Right? Yeah, I was like, because actually, a new copy is like they're like twelve bucks. So I was, but I knew that she may not accept just a straight out gift. So I and she listens to this podcast. So hi, Heather. <laughs> um, I want to. Um, you worked all day, right? I, Before this, I did work today. Yeah. I did work today. Yes, I did. I'm impressed. But, oh. <laughs> Going strong. Uh, yes, definitely, definitely. Well, you know, I, I, my work is for the money right now, and this is for the the love. So. Um, one day I hope to marry the two and do what I love for money. But right now, yeah. Oh my gosh. My brain is, is, is spazzing out. Um, I totally understand. I'm a part-time realtor, by the way. So. Oh, are you? <laughs> and I've done property management of, you know, things for personal and affordable housing. And it's near and dear to my heart to, um, do some of that in the future that integrates a little bit of herbal gardens with some affordable housing in the Buncombe County area. So oh, yeah. I hope those An idea are, whose time has long come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, I just was, we're, um, we can't wait for a very wealthy person to come into town and say, yes, I want to build plenty of little villages. It's not. Oh, as I wish enough. they would. Yeah. Because we were looking for a house and it's been a disaster. It's been a. It's up to show property. There's, it gets snatched up before. Yeah. I can even show it. So. We, yeah. We had to um, back out of a house that we finally put a, we're able to put an offer on and, and got that far in the process, but it just needed, it didn't look like it needed a lot of work and it did need a lot of work. And we can't, like, we don't have a lot to do. We just have the money to buy maybe a house mm -hmm. and we don't have the money to, to fix too much on a house. And the issues are that a lot of the houses that are in our price range need work. Yeah. More and more challenging. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be hopefully systems in place with some modular stuff or something coming down the line that's still earth friendly and modular. Well, let's hope that that will show itself one day soon. Someone, someone's going to have the idea to help with the uh, kind of the situation. 
because because Asheville has a if anyone lives in Asheville you know about the housing and everything so that's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic yeah <laughs> do you have any new and exciting ventures coming up that you'd like to share with the audience book swap right that's it yeah I know we're gonna do that I'm kind of spontaneous with my ideas so sometimes if they're gonna make it there's it might be next week that we do (laughs) so we're really excited at at where we are now because the space we got was kind of a miracle it's called the it's a Redmond production, but it, we also call the chapel the Church of the Holy Basil. And so <laughs> we'll, we'll have some events out there. It's a little far out, you know, 30 minutes to downtown for some. So the concept might be that we just do day classes where it's more like bring your lunch. We do one session in the morning and then something in the afternoon and picnic together. Uh, so for Redmond, we hope to have some wild food dinners. Uh, some really cool topics, maybe even a music venue or two, because the chapel might seat 80 to 100 people in, wow. in times when we don't need to socially distance. But uh, it's still, um, if you if you are interested in using the space that's not our production and order fulfillment, give me a give me a shout via email. It's genie at redmoonherbs.com, and I can s- supply that for the community. The thing was it's free for the rest of this year and then there'll be a low cost if someone does want to use the space for the day so that's the most exciting thing we have going on and we're putting some gardens in so as they build people can do like a walking educational thing there's a little bit of forest behind it so hopefully we'll have a walking trail with woodland medicinal soon but maybe by next summer so you're yeah so you're branching out into some educational areas. That's small. Really- yeah, and, and hopefully work up to a weekend workshop retreat because something passionate for me is not being a prepper per se, but being prepared, emergency preparedness, grid skills, bringing some of those teachers. We have a lot of those earth skills folks in the area to come in and teach some one of their skills. Like I love Nancy Basket for kudzu basketry and she does pine baskets as well and other things. You know, some of those teachers could be featured or it could be a weekend of got lost in the woods, you know, how do I survive? That kind of thing. And okay. teachers like that. So that's our goal. So it sounds like it's a it's a pretty big space you got like the the buildings and the land is it's only on an acre, but uh, there's a little creek that's kind of communities area. So there may be some meditative area and picnic area that's not on our property, but beside it. There's also a campground near us, a dry campground. So people could put their tents there and just pay that 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 property owner. So there's room, to, there's room for some retreats. And, and yeah, the church is probably... 1200 square feet or four it's a small church but we have a little kitchenette and a double sink for just for these kind of classes that's separate from our production area and a shower and a restroom yeah that's a good setup that's awesome so will that be something that folks can find um an online presence for separate of of red moon like it'll be the church of the holy basil will have its own website have its own facebook etc to keep up with what you're doing or well, for now, redmoonherbs.com. We sometimes uh, 
just have a classes link there. So I think we'll put it there for now. But yeah, it might just evolve to where it's so big that, uh, and the community yeah. participates, that becomes its own thing. That would be great. I don't see why not. I don't see why it couldn't get there. Yeah, and we do take apprentices or interns a couple at a time. So if someone does want to intern with Red Moon, it's a four hour to eight hour a week commitment for three months. And then oh. you learn a little bit about some medicine making skills and some processing. Uh, it's not all just fun and games. And that's, you know, sometimes it's bagging herbs or helping in the garden, but we do, we are, we're not taking apprentices at the moment, but we will okay. in the near future. So you can that's email awesome. info at redmoonherbs.com if you're interested in apprentice or internship. Are those, cause I, I work like, during the day, Monday through Friday. So is that something that like someone could do who work those time of hours or? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little challenging, but occasionally there might be something on the weekend, but usually it's a Monday through Friday opportunity. But sometimes we're doing shows and fairs. Someone could assist with that or a wild harvest, you know, something maybe okay. monthly you know, like a once a month thing. I did not know you guys offered internships. That's awesome. All right. And there's some product trade for the hours you put in. No pay, but there is some product. So. And you get to learn though, so. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully uh, more herbalists are going out there and they're, some are relocating and planting seeds in all the world right that's the goal because <laughs> we can't all sustain ourselves in Asheville even though it would be great if we could stay <laughs> it's a little mecca of herbal herbies but like Ellen's in Haywood County and you know it's going to get further and further out and this is great it's, that's that's how that's how we catch the fire well gee before we go do you have anything that you would like to add or like to mention before we wrap up we're always so, looking for growers so okay. uh, keep putting those woodland medicinals in that are on united plant savers at risk list put please put them in the ground wherever you are and if you yeah you can you can always email me if you have a question about how you do some of the things we're doing in Asheville as far as plant swaps and medicine making days or herbal first aid, herbal medic, some of those events that happen here, you know, feel free to reach out and we can share information in other communities. And I'll pop your, is it okay for me to pop your email into the yeah. description? Okay, mm -hmm. okay, cool. Well, I'd like to uh, thank everyone for joining us today. I'd like to thank GD for joining us today and chatting with us. And everything, all the information will be in the description. If you're watching on YouTube, they'll be in the show notes. If you're listening on Anchor or Spotify, follow us on Anchor or Spotify. We have, we're on YouTube. We have an Instagram. We have a Facebook group. You'd like to join us there. Also, if you would like to support this podcast with your dollars, you just go to Anchor, 
you go to the support page and you can support us for one dollar five dollars or ten dollars a month we appreciate that it goes to help us take this show on the road so we can do some traveling and now that we're all vaccinated go to herb fairs and conferences that are not in Asheville and showcase all that awesomeness we are going to be having a little bit of a summer vacation for the show here and take the month of July off from podcasting um, but we will be resuming in August with hopefully a couple of exciting guests I'll uh, name drop one of them but we're working on getting Linda Black Elk who is a indigenous ethnobotanist herbalist educator and water protector who helped organize and manage the medic tent at the Standing Rock pipeline protest which is how I found out about her but um, we'll hopefully be having a really cool chat with her whenever we come back in August and um, we are moving to a new format we're going to twice a month instead of three times a month we're gonna be having episodes drop the second and the fourth wednesday of each month so thank you again for joining us and we will uh talk to you next time hi everybody bye. Bye. <laughs>